This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the TP5 and 5X. Try it. What's the best that can happen? Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Good morning, Canada. Welcome inside Golf Talk Canada. Scully and Weeks alongside on this lovely Wednesday morning. No Zucchino this morning. He is on a plane, actually, I believe, right now, Bob. He's on his way to Chicago for the BMW shocking. Championship. I know. Very shocking at that. Where yeah. This is his final event on the ground for a couple of weeks. Uh, on the PGA Tour. So, of course, as we always do throughout our Wednesday editions of GTC, we'll have a full preview of this week's PGA Tour event. The final 50. 50 guys remain on the PGA Tour in the playoffs. Also on today's show, Stephen Ames is going to join us, coming off his fourth victory on PGA Tour champions this year. His swing coach, Shaheen Nakjavani, also going to join the show. Bill Price from TaylorMade to discuss the all-new TaylorMade MG four wedges hey we're giving two of them away on our show in 20 weeks of TaylorMade. also michael harrison going to drop by to t- discuss the betting odds as well for this week's tournament but bob before we get to news and headlines you were in memphis last week have you cooled off it looked like there was a lot of sweat <laughs> happening uh from a lot of guys out there uh, on the pga tour last week I've covered a lot of golf tournaments in my time, and I don't think I can recall one that was hotter the, uh, the Friday round especially. And, um, you know, we were in luxury, obviously, in the uh, air-conditioned media center, but you would literally open the door to walk outside, and it was like walking into a furnace. I think with the Humidex, it was into the low 40s, 42, 43, something like that. And uh, there were a number of caddies who went down, and they had some um, IVs to kind of get them back on. No, nothing... You know, thankfully, nothing hugely serious, but they had some IVs. Some of the players on Sunday, actually, or some of the golfer uh, caddies, again, sort of got a pre, pre-round pre IV to kind of uh, wow. help them out. But it was it was a punishing, punishing day. And I don't, I honestly don't think, I always like to try and walk with some of the Canadian players. And I don't think I've walked fewer holes than I did last week because it was just so, so hot out there and so punishing. So, um, boy, I don't know how the golfers made it through. But uh, I'm glad that they all did and everyone's safe. And I think, uh, I think this week looks like it's going to be a little bit more, uh, more temperate. Yeah, you could tell, you could, you could see that for sure, especially during some of the players' post-round interviews when they, you know, I just walked off the golf course 10 minutes before and you have a microphone shoved in your face and you could tell just how drained uh, they all looked. But it, it looked like a fun week overall. We'll get into Lucas Glover a little later in the show because what a run he has been on. But for news and headlines today, it's an all-Canadian version of news and headlines. So let's hit it with some news and some headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger, everybody knows one. All right, and then there were four. Four Canadians remain in the PGA Tour in the FedEx Cup playoffs. We have Nick Taylor, we have Corey Connors, we have Adam Hadwin, we have Adam Svensson. Nick Taylor, 16th in the FedEx Cup standings. Corey Connors, 25th. Adam Hadwin, 37th. Adam Svensson, 39th. So 50 guys are in this field. All these Canadians, Bob, are in the top... 40. So before we get to these guys, I have to get your perspective on Mackenzie Hughes because here's a guy who comes 51st last week. Obviously, Saturday's third round put him behind the eight ball in a big way. Still had a chance to advance 
uh, if other players didn't play their best coming down the stretch. Unfortunately, it wasn't the case. I know you spoke to Adam Hadwin right after the news came that he wasn't, or Mackenzie Hughes wasn't going to be in the playoffs. What Overall, what was your perspective on what went down with Mac Hughes? Um, you know, it's it's one of those deals where the Saturday round really is kind of what waved him out. He shot 75. I think there was only one round higher all week, a 76 at one point. I think Thomas Dietrich had a 76. But, you know, it's 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 hard and it's Mac has not despite the fact that he's won you know he has not had a great year and and Mac if you look back at his career he kind of goes through these peaks and these valleys that are pretty wide so he'll play really well for three or four or five weeks and then he'll have like five missed cuts in seven events or something like that so this was kind of a typical year but you know it's a really it was just heartbreaking to watch him and talk to him afterwards and he was he and I were texting back and forth after he left because he was still there was still a chance he could move in if other players had played poorly now unfortunately um Hideki Matsuyama went and played five under over his last four holes or whatever it was five under over his last six and if he if he plays like one or two less than that then max in uh Cam Davis if he goes bogey bogey over his last two holes Mac gets in and it's such a fine margin and the rewards on both sides of those are so huge. If you're in the top 50 now, really, and most of the players that I talked to said, top 30 is great, but the top 50 is really the big number because you get into all eight signature events next year, big purse events. And if you're outside that, to try and be able to get in those, again, is very difficult. So it's, it's almost a have and have not situation that you're going to see. And the players said, yeah, well, you know, you get the top 30, you get the Masters, you get the U.S. Open, you get the PGA. But if you're in the top 50, your world ranking is likely to get you into those events anyway. And a lot of the players who are in there have won already. So, like, the three Canadians have won. Um, but it's, uh, it was tough, tough for Mac. He was on overdrive last night and uh, talking to Hayes. And, uh, and it was, you know, you said you can look back over the course of the year and you think one hole – uh, one back nine, but you could drive yourself crazy doing that. So the best thing to do is, as he said, I'm just going to use this as a incentive, try and get better and see what happens next year. Yeah, for a guy who won during the fall portion of the schedule, but only one top 10 since then, been a bit of a crazy year for Mackenzie Hughes. And I, I really, I was interested by the honesty that Adam Hadwin gave you in the interview after Sunday's final round when he said he was playing tentative on that Saturday. He felt uncomfortable over the ball because all he was thinking about was in the top 50. So I'm curious now, given that the, you know, everything that you get with the top 50 in terms of signature events for next year, like you just said about official world golf ranking points to earn your way potentially into the majors, if that frees guys up, if that frees guys like Svensson and Hadwin up for this week, what do you think? It could be like, you know, they're, they're on the outside now trying to get in. Like they want, if you, if you want to get into the top 30, you're going to have to make a big move and it's, it's hard. It's hard to make a big move. Only two guys, I think, made it in, went from outside the top 50 to inside the top 50 last week. I think that's right. And, and there's not a lot of guys who can do it or who have the, the point system. So, so they have nothing to lose. Really, you've got to put the pedal down and try and get yourself in there. On the other side, if you're Corey Connors, I think he's 27th. So he's almost in the same position Mackenzie Hughes was last week. Although, you know, when, you're, when you say someone is 27th and someone is 31st, you've got to look at their points and it could be a wider margin or it could be a very narrow margin because it's all, you know, it's what, what you've done throughout the season. So there's a lot of, um, 
a lot of scoreboard watching. And as all the guys, the Canadians told me last week, because even if you don't want to look at the scoreboard, I mean, it's right in front of you. It's all the time and you see it. And I was sitting at the airport with Nick Taylor on Monday and he said, you know, it's hard not to have that in your face. And the other thing he said is there are such big fluctuations because when somebody finishes, their points are sort of added in in the projections. And when you're not finished, you're kind of not there. So he said, at one point I looked and I was like 23rd and I went, what? But it's just the way the system works that, you know, he's, he's guaranteed to be into the, uh, mm-hmm. into the tour championship or tour championship. So uh, it's a mind game that you got to play with yourself as much as it is a physical game as well. But I think you're right. I think Adam Svensson, the two Adams, you know, why not go for it? Play, play some uh, aggressive golf uh, as opposed to what you did last week. Absolutely. So looking from an odds perspective for the Canadians on FanDuel this week, as we speak right now, Corey Connors at 50 to one, the shortest odds of all Canadians by far. Adam Hadwin, 120 to one. Adam Svensson, 150 to one. Nick Taylor, 170 to one on FanDuel. There's there's so much value for for these Canadians. But, you know, Corey Connors is coming off a very good week at Memphis where the putter was starting to really get hot. Given the way his short game is trending, how do you like Connors not only for this week, Bob, but for next week at the Tour Championship if he does obviously make it? Well, he's got to make a big move to have a chance at the Tour Championship, in my opinion, just because of that staggered start, right? I mean, Mm. if he's starting, I mean, we saw Rory go from six shots back last year to catch Scheffler. But I don't know how many people can do that. I mean, Rory's a pretty remarkable guy and nothing against Corey. But um, yeah, but Corey's game really did. Saturday, Sunday was really, really solid. He said afterwards, you know, he was started to hit the fairways and hit the greens. And that allowed his putter to kind of shine, as you pointed out. Uh, and I think that's something that's been a little, inco- little more inconsistent this year than it has been in past years. So to see that sort of start to groove in there, I think, uh, I think was pretty good. Um, not many of the guys that I've talked to have much experience at this golf course in terms of what it has and what it represents, but I think that's probably throughout the field. There's a few that have played there, obviously. Um, but I think uh, I think it'll be an interesting, more of a wide-open field than last week where the guys have played consistently. And as Adam Hadwin said, last week's golf course, it just makes you feel uncomfortable wherever you are. There's so much water on the golf course last week. Six, since 2003, 6,100 golf balls have been into the water last week in those holes. I think there's 15 of, of 18 holes have water. So you saw a ton of balls go in, and, um, and I don't think you'll see that same this week. So it's, but it's a grind. It's going to be a big uh, put the pedal down and just don't stop. Yeah, it certainly is. Now, Corey Connors, the only Canadian to make the Tour Championship last year. Of course, Mark set the over-under at two and a half. To, of Canadians to make the Tour Championship on Golf Talk Canada Television, which aired last night, also airing today. Mark changed his stance. He took the over of over two and a half Canadians. What do you think, Bob? Are you still hanging on that under? Because it's it's a tall task for Svensson or Hadwin to make a move and try to get inside the top 30, as well as Connors to maintain a spot. Yeah, I mean, they got to... All three of those guys have to play really well, especially... The two Adams, like they really would have to have a, a, a big week to pass a whole bunch of guys to get that deep in. Not saying they can't do it, but if I was a betting man, <laughs> I think I might bet the under on this one. 
There you go. Well, uh, tour championship. Can't wait for that. We'll have much or BMW championship. Can't wait for that. We'll have much more on the BMW championship a little later in the show. We look at some of the favorites at top at the top of the board, including Lucas Glover looking for his third straight W. But other Canadian news: Brooke Henderson, who her puzzling season continues. Her fifth missed cut of the season last week at the AIG. Women's Open. Now, it was her second career miscut at a major championship. That in itself is remarkable, given her career that she's had. But you're going to be at the CPKC Women's Open at Shaughnessy next week. Overall, do you have any expectations for Brooke in terms of how she'll perform in on home soil on a very difficult golf course, too, that is Shaughnessy? You know, when Brooke comes to play this tournament, it really becomes Brooke-a-palooza. And it's, it's the whole tournament, and I hate to say this, but really, let's say, let's say not the whole tournament. Let's say 90% of the tournament is focused around Brooke. Last year in Ottawa, now that, albeit that's her hometown, she started Sunday, I think middle of the pack, somewhere like 40th, let's say, somewhere in there. And she teed off around 945. They were lined up five deep all the way down the first hole where she was playing. And she, you know, she was like in middle of the pack. They didn't care. The leaders went off, you know, an hour, hour and a half later. And there was like 70 people watching. Now that picked up a little after Brooke left. But what she has to go through, I don't even, maybe what Mike Weir had back in his day when he was winning the Masters, that's the only comparison I can bring. So for someone who has had sort of a mediocre season, to put her through what she's going to go through next week. Now, she's used to it. She understands it. She knows that she's learned to adjust her and her agent. Uh, but she has so many things going on and so many people asking for her time, including me. <laughs> it's, I, I don't know how, I don't even know how she pulls the trigger, to, to be honest with you, or how she even stays close. But you don't put anything back, Brooke Anderson. She's got, uh, she's got some talent. She's done it before. So maybe she'll shine for us this, next week as well. And we know what we saw from Nick Taylor at Oakdale back in June. Imagine uh, what would happen at Shaughnessy and what could happen potentially this week with Stephen Ames as well at the Shaw Charity Classic. Uh, we'll get to that in our next segment. Before we sign off here in segment one, other Canadian news, Ben Silverman, number one on the Corn Ferry Tour standings right now. He's had another great season. If he does stay at number one, what are some of the implications here, Bob? Well, there's a big, big prize for it. Now, if you're in the top, you know, 10 or so, you get, you get a, a PGA Tour card guaranteed, but you have to go through reshuffles. If you are number one, there's no reshuffle, and that means he'll never lose his one, number one status. He'll always be the first Corn Ferry Tour player or graduate in the tournament entry lists. So he, he, that's, that's huge, and, and I think that alone is, is just absolutely massive. But getting on to the P, he also gets a spot in the U.S. Open, which is obviously big. Um, but it's a, there's a lot of rewards for being number one that number two doesn't get. So uh, they've still got a few weeks to go. I mean, they're going to they're gonna play a little bit more now, and then, um, and then he can go into the fall series as well if he's in the top ten and improve things. So, I mean, it, there's a lot riding for Ben. He's, he's worked hard. I'll tell you, if you watch him on Instagram, he not only works hard on the golf course, but he works hard in the gym. He's absolutely ripped and kind of... Taking a page from you, I think that's where he got his uh, oh. incentive from, Adam. You know, wow, because you you're you're in the gym all the time too. So, but Ben Absolutely. Ben's the guy who took up the game. You know, took up the game late up at Uplands there, and uh, he's he's a nice guy to cheer for. So, hopefully he uh, he keeps uh, up that number one spot t- right through the end of the season. 
Yeah, it's been a great year for Canadian <clears throat> Canadian golf, and that continued this past Sunday when Stephen Ames won for the fourth time on PGA Tour Champions. When we come back here on GTC, Stephen Ames going to join us for a full debrief on his victory and a look ahead for this week because PGA Tour Champions, well, they're here in Canada. All that and more coming up right here on GTC. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the TP5 and 5X. Try it. What's the best that can happen? This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by JPSM Golf, offering Canada's largest selection of electric golf trolleys. Good for your score, good for your health. Visit jpsmgolf.com to find a trolley that fits your game. JPSM Golf, Canada's premier electric golf trolley specialist. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. This is our first of leg of our double header across the TSN network today. We're on from now till noon right here, TSN 1050. Then 1 p.m. TSN 4. Now, a huge story this past weekend in the world of Canadian golf was Stephen Ames winning for the fourth time on PGA Tour Champions. What a year it has been. Now, before we get to the interview, Bob, you, you've said this before, but his performance when he won the Players' Championship, do you still say that's the best ball-striking display you've ever seen from really anyone? Best control of a, um, of a, of a golf ball for 18 holes that I've ever witnessed in my life. And I've, you know, I've seen a lot. I saw Tiger Woods in 2000 at Pebble Beach, and uh, I don't know other ones that, that are pretty close to that, but I've never seen anybody control a ball. And he... I don't know if Steven knows how good he is sometimes, um, but it was absolutely remarkable. And I, I didn't see the, any of the highlights because I was traveling, but the, uh, I would have loved to have seen his last was five holes. I mean, that's just ridiculous what he did. And uh, I was talking to some of the players at Memphis uh, at the airport about it, and, and they were going, like, what? Like, you know, just um, Nick Taylor had played that golf course because it's up on the West Coast, and he said, like, that's – that's hard to do, man. That's really hard to do. So, uh, Steven is a very talented guy and he's not young, right? He's 59. He's given up yeah. nine years to the young guys out there. So mm -hmm. quite a performance. Six under in the last five holes to only win by seven shots to win by a converted touchdown. Steven Ames now a four time winner this season on PGA tour champions and about an hour or so after he tapped in for that victory, I had a chance to speak with Steven Ames. Let's hear that interview. Now joining us after his fourth victory on PGA Tour Champions this season, Stephen Ames. First of all, Stephen, congratulations on the victory. What went right this week in particular? Well, thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, to be honest, I'm not sure what, what went right. I think overall, the ball striking was extremely good. Um, and then, of course, not being a I'm a big fan of Koana Greens. I actually put it extremely well. So I think on the whole, it was an overall benefit of everything that actually worked well this week for me. I was talking to your swing coach, Shaheen Nakjavani, this morning, and he told me that you are a closer. You were six under in your final five holes. You won by seven. How would you characterize your closing stretch? Yeah, that was a bit of a closing stretch, yeah. <laughs> You know, the funny thing was that as the day was going on, 
and I had a number in my head which was 15 under. And after birding 14, then 15, to get to 15, I was like, okay, what am I going to do for 16, 17, and 18? And I said, you know, okay, so I made a little goal with myself. And it was like, okay, let's see if I can birdie one of the three coming in. So I, I was always going to have the pedal on the fo- my foot on the pedal. I kept going. And I, then I birdied 16, and then I said, okay, well, I've got two more holes to go. What am I going to do? I didn't realize I was going to finish birdie, birdie, eagle the way I did. So... I, you know, it's something I'm actually going to think about for next week to see if I can do the same kind of mental thinking there. Now, of course, this is your fourth victory of the season. Did you see this kind of year coming? Uh, no. no, nobody foresees these kind of years coming. Um, you know, when I after 2020, when I injured my right shoulder through the COVID season, coming back into 2021, it was like, you know, and I hope I can win another event. And ended up winning a principal charity. And funny enough, that's my second one there. And then uh, as the year went on, I started working with Harry C, and which is Jerry Kelly's trainer and John Rahm's trainer, Adam Hadwin's trainer, actually, too. And he got me into better, a, lot of better, a lot better shape. And I started hitting the ball really well and a lot further. And then on top of that, working with Shaheen also made a big difference. And then... Going back to my, my old psychologist I'd worked with since 04 on PGA Tour, I all those three accumulations, putting all those assets back together again, has made me the player again that I am today. So, I mean, it's an accumulation of a lot of things that have worked out right now for me. You mentioned it right there, your swing coach, Shaheen Nakjavani. How much has he helped your game? Because he does a lot of his work online, too. He does. It's, you know, it's, it's difficult to travel expensive to travel bringing them out and if i think you have to be the type of player that understands your swing but understands also understands the mechanics of how you go about doing it and uh we're, i'm pretty good in that respect and when shaheen tells me something i completely understand what he's talking about there are a lot of players that probably don't but when he started working with me i completely understood where i needed to go to and uh obviously the drilling the drill the doing the drills and doing everything else also is all part of it and we actually, funny enough, I had a quick session with him on Monday prior to coming to here. And t- taking three weeks off and coming out here, realizing, oh, yeah, I'm back to my old old habits. And uh, we quickly got out of those old habits within probably half an hour of the, of the video session. So that worked out really well for me. Now, of course, you have your four victories this season. Four guys have won on the PGA Tour. We have victories in the Corn Ferry Tour. Brooke Henderson doing her thing on the LPGA Tour. How does it feel for you to be a part of one of the greatest seasons in Canadian golf history? Yeah, yeah. Obviously elated about the whole thing, yeah. I mean, like you said, who can foresight this fact of winning four times in one year? Not me. I couldn't predict that. If I would, if I could, I'd be buying a lottery ticket every night. But that wouldn't happen. Um, you know what? It's awesome. It's nice to be in that uh, category of uh, Canadian winners. So, yeah, I'm elated about that fact. So you have those four victories. But next week is a big one. You're playing yeah. on home soil. How special would it be to get win number five at home? Uh, it would be extremely exciting, especially with my number two caddy on the bag, my son, Ryan. So who actually I won with in Atlanta this year with. So, yeah, we have a good We Actually, funny, he's done it every year. We have a lot of good memories there together. 
So, you know, it's golf. We don't know what's going to happen. We can't predict what's going to happen. We're just going to take it as it comes and see what happens. Well, it's been a great season for you. Four victories. Stephen Ames, congratulations and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Adam. Take care. Thanks to uh, Stephen Ames for joining me. That was I was on the Sports Center set, happened to be there. Stephen Ames joined via FaceTime, and they had pulled over, about to go through the McDonald's drive-through. Bob, I don't know about you, but if I were to win a professional golf tournament, McDonald's wouldn't be my number one choice. How about you? Sometimes you got to make do with what you got. I mean, listen, that's what Nick Taylor did, right? After he won the Canadian Open, by the time he got out of Oakdale, it was so late they pulled into the McDonald's, and just as they were going in. Wayne Gretzky called him, so they had to pull over too. So you and Wayne Gretzky have something in common, Adam. There you go. <laughs> my, my day's been made. My, myself and Gretz, something in common. As, as Z-Man and I spoke about on, uh, on Monday's show, uh, when we won our Toronto Hunt member guest, we did not celebrate with McDonald's. It was something a, a little different, both <laughs> uh, food, and, food and drink. But before we sign red, off here and go to red, break. Red, Yes, a lot of that. Um, before we sign off and, uh, and go to break, you know, PJ Tour champions, they're in Calgary this week for the Shaw Charity Classic. I mean, like, Stephen Ames, this is this is just a remarkable season. You've got him, you got Weirzy. What kind of atmosphere are you expecting at the Shaw Charity Classic? It's a big event. You know, it's, uh, it's one of the biggest fundraisers on the Champions Tour, and they have won awards for what they've done. And they support, it's like hundreds of different charities throughout the city, and they get... You know, Stephen was one of the guys who was involved with starting this tournament. So he got together with a group of um, kind of the big rollers in town, and they decided to put this on. And it's been a, a great stop. They get a amazing field. Basically, all the players you want to see uh, are out there from Freddie Couples on. And Weirzy, of course, is there. Weirzy's had a busy year trying to do all his double duties with being the President's Cup captain and stuff. So he hasn't had quite the uh, performance on course as I think he would have liked. But uh, who knows what can happen. And for Stephen, you know, Stephen obviously lived in Calgary for a number of years. So it's, it's a semi-home game, I guess, for him. And, and I'm sure it's, uh, it's a little bit like we were talking about before with Brooke Henderson, where you've got a lot of stuff going on off the golf course as well. So it'll be interesting to see if he can perform there as well. Stephen Ames looking for win number five on the season. 2023 has been an unbelievable, unbelievable year for Canadian golf when we come back here on gtc we're going to take a deep dive into the bmw championship some of the favorites and how about lucas glover can he go three straight all that and more coming up next this segment of gtc presented by TaylorMade, was brought to you by jpsm golf offering canada's largest selection of electric golf trolleys good for your score good for your health This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Well, this is the second last event the second leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs this week at the BMW Championship. Top 50 have made it on. Top 30 make it to next week at the Tour Championship at Eastlake. And right now on FanDuel, Rory McIlroy, his odds are plus 600. He has the shortest 
odds to win this week's BMW. Bob, for a guy who has eight consecutive top 10 finishes coming into this week, and it seemed even last week in Memphis, he didn't really have his A game really until Sunday and started pouring birdies in. What do you think about Rory's chances for this week? I like him. I think uh, I think you always like Rory, and he's just so consistent. It's just, again, a little bit frustrating on the greens. He uh, brought a new putter in last week. He got a, a Scotty Cameron Phantom, basically the, the same kind of putter that Justin Thomas uses. And it, I don't know if it was the putter. or I, I actually expected him. He said he had the, uh, the spider, <laughs> which he's been using. He said he was going to maybe put that in after two rounds, but he didn't. I was a little surprised because there were a lot of frustrating moments for him on the greens like there have been throughout the year. But a little different grass. He's got the Bermuda last week. He's got the uh, the bent this week. So a little truer role maybe for him, maybe something he's a little bit more familiar with. We'll see. But the um, I don't know how, how you doubt Rory. He is playing just great, consistent golf. And if you look at John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler last week, the one and two guys who were ahead of him, you know, both of them kind of had off weeks, so maybe that's why the numbers are, uh, the betting numbers are so good for him. Yeah, Rory McIlroy was 23rd of the 70-player field last week in strokes gained putting, uh, gained for the tournament uh, just under a one and a half shots on the greens alone, and the putter has been a hot topic, it's an understatement, for one Scotty Scheffler. Uh, last week, he made the putter switch to... A different tailor-made model. He went from a Scotty Cameron blade to a tailor-made spider putter. I I spoke with Bill Price about the putter and how they really customized the CG and move things around just for Scotty in particular. 62nd of 70 guys in the field in strokes gained putting. Lost nearly three shots alone on the greens. I mean, for Scheffler, do you think he goes back to a previous model? Because something has to change because it, it seemed like last week, Bob, for the first time, his frustration on the greens bled over to his approach game because he wasn't great tee to green also. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's not the driver, it's it's not the car, it's the driver, right? That's the uh, the old adage mm-hmm. about about that putter. And, and I don't know if it's more of a putting lesson he needs as opposed to a, uh, uh, a new putter or a different putter or a new look. Um, you know, Rory's putter improved he he actually played the first two rounds where it was too long and he got a half inch cut off it <laughs> at, Ed, at Edwin Watts, which is of all places to go to get your putter switched up. Anyway, uh, nothing wrong with Edwin Watts. I just man, I thought they'd have somewhere on the tour site. But for Scotty, mm-hmm. it seems like he's sort of, um, there almost seems to be a stubbornness with, with not wanting to change too much. He really believes that things are going to happen. And again, his the rest of his game is so good that the putting is almost emphasized at how not good it is. So I don't know what he's going to do. I really don't know. But he's if, if he ever starts to drop some and roll them into the hole, man, it's, it's going to be lights out for everybody else because the rest of his game is really good. It really is. Scotty Scheffler, second shortest odds, plus 700 right now on a fan duel. John Rahm, the third, at plus 850. And then there's Patrick Cantlay, who has had kind of an interesting season and now he had a good final round last week to advance to the playoffs of that the playoff of last week's event I should say against Lucas Glover didn't have the greatest tee shot in the playoff hole which led to the bogey of course but at 10 to 1 it seems like Cantlay and Joe LaCava is new caddy things are starting to morph together 
Cantlay's won the FedEx Cup before. He's won the BMW Championship a couple times before, too. What's your perspective on Cantlay for this week? Yeah, I mean, going into Sunday's round, I mean, he'd won, I think he'd won, he's won prior to last week's tournament, I think he's won three of the last five uh, playoff events. And so now it's three of the last six, which is still pretty good. But that, that was a shocking tee shot on the last hole. I mean, that, that hole, I know a lot of guys talk about how awkward it is. And, you know, most players, I think, were hitting three wood just to try and find some, some dry land and, and not be in a bunker and not be in the rough. It's, it's a really... When you see the hole, it's it's a really awkward-looking hole from the tee shot. and um, But still, for a guy like that who's been playing so well, to hit it in the water, it was just stunning. Like, I, I would have you, – you saw so many guys all week bailed out to the right that I just was sort of shocked that he did that. But, um, again, runner-up is not a bad finish. It's just how he did it, I guess. But I, I think Cantlay is, uh, Cantlay is a, a playoff performer. You know, if he was a hockey player, there's certain hockey players we know that – sort of ramp up their game in the playoffs and he seems to be able to do that so what's not to like what's not to like for sure it looked like he had a bit of the playoff beard going too we love to see that of course here in canada about uh, about that with playoff beards okay i know someone you're very high on for this week in terms of tsn edge because you picked him and that's tommy fleetwood now this is a guy who has top tens in five of his last six starts t3 last week t10 at the open t6 at the scottish open missed cut at the travelers t5 at the u.s open and he was the runner-up of course at the playoff at the rbc canadian open to one nick taylor so for tommy fleetwood why do you like him this week uh i just think at some point the guy's got to break through and get a win i mean uh, he seems to have a, a habit of maybe just one bad hole down the stretch, which he kind of did uh, at, at the uh, at uh, last week's tournament at the St. Jude. It's just I figure he's got to win at some point. I mean, he, for this guy to be this talented and not have a victory yet on the PGA Tour is stunning. And you look at the different courses. One thing I did is I went through and looked at the different style of courses you can do on data golf. You can kind of take a deeper dive and and he doesn't he plays well on everything i mean he plays well on different grasses he plays well on short courses he plays well on long courses so you got to think at some point it's it's going to come true it's, it's almost like uh almost like a lottery ticket eventually i'm going to win but i just think that tommy fleetwood is playing so good that he's worth worth it and the values values there too the last time i checked anyway yeah, plus 2,200 for Tommy Fleetwood to win this week at the BMW Championship. And you look at his numbers across the board, too. Six strokes gained total, 33rd strokes gained off the tee, 31st strokes gained approach, 13th in strokes gained putting. He, you know, he's had struggles on the weekends putting or making putts in particular at the Open Championship for sure. But uh, Tommy Fleetwood plus 2,200 right now on FanDuel. But heading into this week, arguably – the biggest story, the most surprising story of the year, you could say, is Lucas Glover, who's looking for his third straight victory. And this is just mind-boggling in itself, Bob, because this guy didn't play in a major this season. And he's fourth in the FedEx Cup standings. He has two straight victories. And now here he is looking for number three in a row. How surprising has this run been? <laughs> it, it is pretty amazing and um you know winning three tournaments in a row is super rare winning three weeks in a row is i think tiger is the only guy in the last 20 years or 25 years to do it it's it's stunning and it 
it is amazing because it does take a lot out of you. Um, hopefully, all I can say is hopefully next week, this coming week, I should say, it's not going to be sweaty because I don't want to see any more uh, Lucas Glover swamp swamp ass. I tell you, <laughs> that poor guy. Yeah, I mean, he was he was dripping everywhere, and um, you know he never doesn't wear a glove. And you saw that shot of him with the sticking his hands in the water cooler. Now he did that, and and he wasn't the only guy to do that. A lot of golfers did that last week. You walk by a tee, and you'd see them all fighting to get a little time in there. I don't know. Thank goodness they weren't. You know, it wasn't anything edible in there. But but everyone was kind of sweating there, trying to cool their hands down. Now he he's such a good, talented player in terms of uh, of accuracy, and if, and I I think I said this on Sunday night was as much as the putter is a story, his accuracy into the greens. His proximity, he, I think he was tied for second. Might have been first. There was a late change in the stats when I got it. But I think he was like first or second in proximity to the hole. And, I mean, I don't know how many times he was pin high uh, or, or below the pin on Sunday. But it seemed like he never got above, never had a really terrible slick putt to, to try and make. And so that's as much of a story, I think, as the putter is. Now, he's always been good that way. But if you saw him uh, two years ago, you know, I remember seeing him with a, about a two-foot putt. Oh, yeah. Missed it and missed the comebacker, which was probably inside a foot. So, uh, I mean, that stuff goes into your brain, obviously, as well. So it's got to be uplifting and freeing for him to be able to play this way right now. And is he? can he win again? Yeah, I think he can. Well, you look. You you mentioned a couple things there. First, the the sweat. I mean, can we get some dark pants? Maybe let's let's start there with the, with the clothing sponsor. Uh, that's one. Two, the low angles of those putts that he missed in years past, where for a two foot putt, it almost looked like he was he barely hit the ball. Like he barely made contact with the ball. You could see his putter go back, and the, as he's coming through at impact. His, his putter moves so violently cutting that like his ball hits the heel of the putter and doesn't touch the hole from two feet, which is actually kind of hard to do. And, and three, the hands in, in, the, in the freezer, in the, uh, in the cooler, have you, like, you said a bunch of guys are doing this. I don't get why they would do that because wouldn't your hands get so cold that you'd have no feel? I don't think it gets that cold. I think they take them out. But, but I'm telling you, Adam... If you were there last week, you would have stuck exactly. your head in that cooler. And, and I That's think I these guys done. just yeah. need... Yeah, <laughs> I think part of it is to is also to cool it down so they don't sweat quite as much. Now, I'm not sure if that kind of works. But anyway, they like it was a lineup of, of players at every tee sticking their hands in these coolers. It was really uh, something that they were all just trying to find some way to get some relief. There you go. Well, uh, a hot topic for Lucas Glover going forward now, as he was pointed out to after he won, of course, is the U.S. Ryder Cup. Because when we come back here on GTC, Mark and I gave right now what our U.S. Ryder Cup team would be. Bob's going to give his when we come back here on Golf Talk Canada as well, an update on 20 weeks of TaylorMade. All that and more coming up next. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today.
Wrapping up hour one here on GTC, Scully and Weeks alongside. Now, we spoke about Lucas Glover going for the three-peat on three consecutive weeks. I was doing some uh, looking back. Brendan Todd had a chance to do this back in 2019, a chance to go three straight. He came up just short. I should mention that, too. You have Dustin Johnson back in uh, 2020 during uh, the COVID year. Uh, when he won one of the playoff events by 11 shots and then won the FedEx Cup right after that. DJ did win three straight PGA tournaments back in 2017. That wasn't on consecutive weeks. Rory McIlroy did the same thing too back in 2014 when he won Open Championship, WGC, PGA Championship in the span of about five weeks where Rory went on that run. But of course, Lucas Glover has now just made his way right into the U.S. Ryder Cup conversation. This time a month ago, you would have thought, no chance. But now he's 16th. Lucas Glover, 16th in the U.S. Ryder Cup team standings. Now, Mark and I made what we would select as our U.S. captain's picks uh, on Monday's show. And Bob, I'm curious from your perspective, who would you pick for if you were Captain Zach Johnson or one of his assistants right now as captain selections for the U.S. Ryder Cup team? Well, uh, good point. <laughs> Let's, uh, it's, it's a little more difficult this year than I would have thought. But um, yes. I think if I was going through um, the guys I would go with, I would go with Shoffley. I would go with mm-hmm. Spieth. I would go with Morikawa. I would go with Bradley. And uh, that leaves out Cameron Young and Sam Burns. And I think at this point I would replace them with Ricky Fowler and uh, Lucas Glover. I think that's how I would go. Now that leaves out of the equation perhaps someone like uh, Bryson DeChambeau. Mm -hmm. But... I'm not. I'm not certain on him because he's had. He's, yeah, he's had. Uh, he had a great week with the 58. Uh, even though Data Golf ranked it as the, uh, like, wasn't even the top 300. 328. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, and I just don't know how to measure that round. I mean, listen, anybody who shoots 58 on any course, anytime, anywhere, it's a great round. But uh, but I think that's the way I would do it right now. You know, Cam Cam Young is. <laughs> I got to tell you a funny story. I flew Please. from Memphis to Chicago, and a lot of the PGA Tour players were on the same flight. Cameron Young was in the very last row uh, of the plane, sitting beside some super fan, and it must have been the worst two hours of his life. I kept looking back and smirking at him because this this super fan beside. First of all, he's in the back row. I don't know what a PGA Tour player is doing in the last row, but it was a long ride. I, I'm. I almost felt like I should lend him my earphones or his headphones so he could get out of the way. But anyway, um, I just don't see, Cam Young has played, has started to turn it around. So, so if something happened this week, maybe that changes my mind a little bit. But uh, right now, I mean, I like, I like Lucas Glover because he putts, is putting so well and he hits, as we said before, proximity so well. And in alternate shot, I mean, those things are worth their weight in gold. So mm-hmm. I, I really like that. Um, you know, Sam Young is, um, uh, did I just say Sam Young? Yes, yeah, sorry, you Sam did. Burns. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Young's a famous uh, golf instructor, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but Sam Burns, to me, is, is kind of the guy, he's 12th right now, and he's kind of that guy on the, on the outside looking in, even though he's 30th, he's the bubble boy this week. 
But those two guys to me are just the two guys that you look at and you go, mm, I don't know, maybe I got to go with a hot hand. Um, you know, it's gonna, there's going to be six obviously this week and then after the Tour Championship, they're going to make their six picks. So a lot can happen this week and next week, a lot on the line. It's so interesting because you, you mentioned Burns and you mentioned Young. That was the final of the WGC match play. So they both have performed well in match play. Sam Burns has done absolutely nothing since then. Cam Young has had a perplexing year too. Two top tens in the majors. New caddy with Paul Tesori. He's ninth in the U.S. team standings. But interesting, uh, yourself, Mark, and I all don't have Cam Young as our one of the captain selections right now. You and Mark have the exact same guys, which is which is nice. I I'm still okay. on the JT train. I think I think Justin Thomas is on that team. I I, I just I think he is. <laughs> I I um you know me, I'm a little stubborn all the time. So, uh Justin Thomas uh yep. on uh on my US Ryder Cup team, but I've written these down. We've written this pen to paper or a keyboard to okay. computer. And, uh, and, and we're going to assess this uh, going forward uh, for the U.S. Ryder Cup. One name that is 21st right now, who's played on U.S. teams in the past, is Tony Finau. Where has Tony Finau been all season? Nowhere. Yeah, it's kind of been a quiet year, right? It's, it's, it's amazing um, for a guy. I mean, I don't know. He just... He used to be maybe not such a guy who would win all the time, but he used to be a guy who would always have top finishes. And, and you kind of sit there and go, okay, what's going on? I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe there's stuff going on off the golf course mm-hmm. that, that affects these things, family things or whatever. And I mean, he's got a 45 kids or something. He's got a big family. So I, there's lots of distractions. He's, you know, he's won twice this season, though. I mean, that's, it's not like he hasn't played well in, in, at times this year, but... Uh, yeah, another guy. Less, there's, they're not short of they're not short of people they could put on their team if they want to take risks. That's for sure. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it, I don't want to be Zach Johnson. I mean, those the calls when you have to call a guy and say, "Hey, sorry, you're not on it," uh, would be tough, especially if those guys are inside that top twelve. You know, one of those six automa- on the list that would be next down there. That's got to be so hard. And in most cases, that's what's happened, right? They've taken the six that have gone on from there, but I. The other thing about this is, and I think Mark and I talked about this earlier, was this is this is no shoe in for the uh, for the American team as we thought it would have yeah. been maybe a year or a year and a half ago, right? This this is going to be a competitive event. Well, you think back to 2016 when Davis Love the Third selected Ryan Moore as his final pick instead of Bubba Watson, who was seventh on the U.S. team standings and the seventh-ranked player in the world at the time, too. Now, Bubba did go, and he was a captain's assistant. He, he wanted to be there in any way, shape, or form. But the Ryder Cup, I, I can't wait for this event. Uh, throw the next couple weeks here on GTC. We'll have tons of Ryder Cup talk. Next week, we'll turn our attention to the Europeans because uh, that's a compelling team. And then some. Well, Bob, this has been a fun hour. You've got a busy day ahead with uh, speed golf and some fan duel-related content. Thanks for joining us this morning, and uh, we'll talk to you next week when you're in Vancouver. Sounds good. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you. That is Bob Weeks. Okay, on the other side, hour two, we've got a host, a number of guests joining us. Shaheen Nakjavani, swing coach, uh, Bill Price from TaylorMade, and Michael Harrison going to join the show as well to discuss the BMW Championship. This has been Hour 1 of GTC. Hour 2 kicks off in a couple minutes. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, the golf capital of the world. 
Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? Visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada, hour two, the back nine here on GTC. Adam Scully here for the next hour. A couple of guests joining us for the next hour. Bill Price from TaylorMade about the new MG4 wedge. Hey, we're giving two of them away on 20 weeks of TaylorMade this week. Check out our website for much more on that. Michael Harrison to discuss the BMW Championship in terms of the betting odds and perspective from that angle too. But a huge story this past weekend in Canadian golf and all of golf was Stephen Ames winning for the fourth time on PGA Tour Champions. And recently, he has switched to swing coach Shaheen Nakjavani, who does a lot of his work online on FaceTime, too. I've even had a session with him, and it's been pretty cool. This is a guy who gave, get this, 5,000 golf lessons in one season. How was that physically possible? 5,000 golf lessons in one season. Now, last week, before Ames won for the fourth time on PGA Tour Champions, I had a chance to speak with Shaheen all about how he's gotten to where he is, and, of course, Stephen Ames. Now joining us, one of the most popular swing coaches in the world, Shaheen Nakjavani, over 110 thousand followers across all social media platforms he now joins us here on golf talk and the sheen what's going on man uh not much trying to soak in whatever nice weather we have because it hasn't been great this summer unfortunately yeah man it's been wild for sure and we've had the chance uh, to work together uh, we'll get to that a little later in the interview here but for you how did this all get started for you yeah, it's a little bit of an interesting situation. You know, I started posting stuff on social media back before like algorithms and, you know, popularity really existed. I, I think I was one of the first coaches on Instagram back in the day with like George Gankis, to be honest. And um, I just would share my thoughts randomly here and there. I was kind of working, you know, like a pro shop job, like a lot of people like 10, 11 years ago. And then uh, I guess people really started to like the information I was sharing. Obviously, I have a very like mathematical approach to what I do. It's not really like very feel based or flimsy. The information It's very, very specific. Um, and I uh, just started to gain a lot of following that way. And then tour players started to reach out and it kind of just like expanded from there. I've been very fortunate. Let's put it that way. Well, you know, everything happens for a reason and you're doing a lot of great work here uh, so far. So who are some guys or players on tour who are you currently working with? So on the PGA Tour, I'm just working with one, which is Kevin Chappell. Uh, mm -hmm. Kevin is coming back from um, some time off due to an injury. So um, he's just starting to play up a fuller schedule again. So I'm looking forward to getting him kind of back on track. Um, probably the most popular name in Canada that I work with would be Stephen Ames on the Champions Tour. 
Stephen and I have been working together for almost five years now. I want to say it's about four and a half years. So our relationship has been definitely growing over the past uh, couple of years. And he won three times this year on the Champions Tour. So obviously we're doing something right, which is really good. And then um, the highest ranked player I work with currently would be Yannick Paul, who's on the DP World Tour, top 15 player on that tour right now. Uh, world-class ball striker we just came back from the scottish and british opens so that was really fun and uh obviously a bunch of other guys on like the various mini tours and stuff well you mentioned Stephen ames there and for you when you see one of your students go out and have the success that he has had at the age he is at on pga tour champions how satisfying is that for you to see all this hard work that he's doing that you're helping him do is paying off I mean, obviously very satisfying. I mean, it's always hard to talk about because it's one of those like old cliches, you know, when he does poorly, you get too much blame. When he does well, you get too much credit. So I'd like to think, obviously, I'm helping him out quite a bit. We have done a lot of work on his swing, uh, you know, from a technical standpoint. If anyone's been on my social media, I'm sure they've seen, you know, I'm pretty open when it comes to working with my tour players. I don't really like to hide stuff behind like a, a glass wall or something like that. You know, I like people to really be able to see what we're doing just so that other people can learn online too. Uh, but we've done a lot of work and obviously it's paid off this year, you know, for whatever reason, this is a year where everything's been clicking really nice. I do think he's had very successful seasons over the last couple, but I mean, you win three times in the first like 10, 12 events. Obviously everyone's going to talk about it. Yeah, certainly. So what exactly are you working with, with Stephen Ames? So Stephen and I, um, it, it always tends to be the same theme with him for the last, basically as long as I've known him, you know, when, whenever he takes a lengthy period of time off, he tends to fall under the same a theme of swinging basically a little too far from the inside so what that essentially you know he likes to draw the ball with his irons he's always been a drawer of the ball if anybody knows him historically he tends to get too shallow that would be like the technical way to talk about it and you know when he swings too far from the inside he tends to draw the ball too much and he can miss it left under pressure no good right-handed golfer likes missing it left under pressure because it's just not a very controllable shot and so a lot of our work has basically been on making his body movements more efficient essentially trying to simplify this a little bit, but making his body movements as efficient as possible so that he's not swinging so far from inside out. So we basically reduce the draw effect in his golf swing. Okay. That's uh, that's some awesome stuff there. And I, I love some of the videos you recently uh, posted with Steven, because just recently you were on a FaceTime coaching him, correct? Yeah. So Steven and I started in person uh, in an ideal world. Obviously we would always see each other in person, but as um, is the case nowadays with social media, you have the ability to teach people from very far away. Um, Steven and I obviously live in very, very different locations. Um, so I don't have the ability to meet up with them as often as I would like. Uh, so probably about once every three to four weeks, we do like a pretty lengthy check-in on FaceTime just to make sure everything's in order. And during tournament season, we'll talk a little bit more regularly via text and stuff. And then every once in a while, I'll see him uh, in person. But yeah, FaceTime sessions have been great. I mean, me and you have obviously done one, which we'll talk about. Um, but I do believe nowadays it's really easy to learn online from any coach anywhere because we have access to so many different amazing things like launch monitors and obviously the power of Zoom and FaceTime and stuff. It makes it really easy to do. Okay, so that's where I'll get to next. Did I read this correctly that you gave 5,000 lessons in one year? I have given 5,000 lessons in one year, and I'm up to almost 11,000 online since I started about five years ago, oh. just on just online. That doesn't include any sort of in-person teaching, and I still teach quite a bit in person. So I'm, uh, I'm very gratefully busy. Let's put it that way. But uh, yes, my busiest year online, I was probably close to 5,000 lessons for sure. 
That's that's wild. And you teach players of all skill levels, not just the people we see on television. Yes, that's correct. Especially in Montreal, obviously, you know, where I'm located, you know, doesn't have the biggest golf audience, let's say. There's obviously historically not a lot of amazing players that have come out of the province of Quebec, which I would like to change that in the future, and I'm going to do my best to do so. Um, but yeah, basically, I teach players of all levels over here, ranging from your classic 20, 30 handicap guys that are struggling to break 100, which they typically will deal with a lot of the same stuff that we'll see over and over. Uh, all the way up to the tour players, which I obviously travel to, and I'm very lucky to work with. You mentioned things you see over and over and over again. So with all these lessons you're giving with amateurs, what's the most common error that you see amateurs make? I'm going to unfortunately group you into this category. Here we go. Yes. (laughs) Because when we did our FaceTime session, I saw very much the same thing. I would say the most common uh, issue by far is just a wide open club face. You know, it's just... We always have this old school analogy in golf instruction, which is club face is king. It's very much true. You know, a lot of the things that we will do with our body, with the club, will be dependent on where the club face is at various points throughout the golf swing. And as was the case with you when we did our FaceTime session, more often than not, I'll see the club face be too open. And then the golfer develops just a whole bunch of bad habits around it, trying to find a way to get the ball going in the direction they want. Okay, so let's let's take a deep dive because we you reached out or we reached out to each other on social media. This would have been uh, late June, call it that. And I, I posted a swing video. I was pretty proud of it. And you said, uh, hey, man, if you want some more yardage, you just let me know. And I said, well, ding, 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 ding. I'm all in for all that. And it was as easy as we got set up a FaceTime. You got me going. And you're the first instructor who has ever changed my grip. And I thought it would feel way more uncomfortable than it has. But basically what we've done is we've we've gripped the have the, the club more in my fingers now for more of a stronger grip. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. So unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to play as much golf as I would like. But what I'm finding is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here. So I, I showed up with my club face like a pancake basically at at uh at the top and going through impact and this would cause me to hit some pretty wild shots whether it was right whether it was left but this left hand uh certainly when i have played there have been many flashes of of brilliance and then there's still many flashes of uh, not not so brilliant so for me where should i take this journey next so the typical chain reaction of events that we'll see, I'll actually lay it out. It's like a clear roadmap that we come across quite often, which is it starts with the club face is too open. In your case, when we dove into the root cause of it, it stemmed from the grip being too weak, which basically means the club was resting too much in the palm of your hand. Not a lot of stability there. The rotational position of your hands was causing the club face to be too open. So then from there, obviously, it just becomes impossible to swing from the inside. If anybody's tried to do this with an open club face, it ain't going to go anywhere near where you're aiming. So obviously, it just doesn't happen very often. And so you were basically swinging over the top, which is a very common phrase that I'm sure a lot of people understand. And so in order for us to change that entire chain that was causing you to get over the top, we had to strengthen the grip. Strengthening the grip got the club face more close and allows you to be able to drop the club, let's call it in the slot, just for a simplified explanation, um, so that you can swing from the inside. And as we were seeing during the FaceTime session, the good shots were obviously drawing. They were really nice. They were compressed a lot more. 
you know, when you get the club face in a stronger position, it allows you to basically get a little more shaft lean, which allows the ball to travel a little bit farther. Um, the problem is you obviously have a lot of these compensations, which we like to call in the golf industry, meaning a lot of these subtle reactions your body and your hands and arms would do to try to square up the club face beforehand because it used to be wide open. Now, unfortunately, throughout this process, and I'm sure a lot of people who are going to be watching this can relate, when you do get the club face in a, in a better position, it doesn't automatically mean that all of these negative things you used to do at impact just magically go away. You know, I wish it was as simple as like I wave a magic wand and it does, but it just, that's just not the reality. And so in a case like yours, you know, you're finding that there's still a lot of like flippiness of the hands at the bottom and a lot of these reactions that are still causing the ball to travel offline when your timing isn't quite good. Mm -hmm. So the next phase of this would essentially be to allow your body to move better through the ball so that you don't have to rely on your hands so much. And that's probably the more common thing that we'll see as like the roadmap. You know, first you start with getting the club face better. That allows the club to move better, which allows your body to eventually move better as well. And part of it too, I, and this might just be me selfishly saying this, but, you know, sitting or whether you're on a driving range or a simulator, you're not exactly thinking where the ball's going. You're not picking, picking a target. You're not playing with wind off your left. You've got not many thoughts. You're not playing with a lot of fear. So maybe this is part mental and part physical. And for me to take a, war, a phrase from Tiger, not to compare me and Tiger at all, but basically more competitive reps. And that could help whether it's me or your other average five handicap player. I think it's a combination of things, to be honest. You know, for starters, the driving range is obviously a wide open field. So a ball that travels offline probably looks a lot better on the driving range versus on the golf course where, you know, 30, 40 feet offline is quite significant. Let's say with a short club in your hands, I say significant, you know, loosely, but uh, versus on the driving range where it might look like an amazing shot because obviously the field is so large that 30 feet offline doesn't look that bad. Uh, another part of this has to do with, I agree with you, first of all, with the competitive reps in the sense that when you go to the golf course, your alignment is off, the wind is off, the lie of the golf ball is off. Like there are all of these external variables at play that are basically non-existent in the driving range. You know, obviously there might be a little bit of wind on the range, but you're hitting off a square mat oftentimes, which is pre-aiming you basically to a location. So your alignment never really becomes an issue. Right. The ball is always resting on the ground the exact same way. The lie is very consistent. And so if you are hitting the ball good at the range, it's not always indicative of how well you're going to hit it on the golf course, simply because the golf course has auto, all of these added elements that make it more challenging. And that's where I believe those competitive reps become increasingly more important as you're getting more comfortable with any sort of swing change that someone's going to be doing. Well, it's it's been quite a journey so far, and uh, I'm hoping for more practice time, uh, some more FaceTime perhaps uh, with you as well as, as we keep learning. Because like I said, when I, when I hit the shots the way I want to, the ball flight is totally different. It makes a different sound. And for those who have seen my, my social media video, I posted one about a month ago or so hitting a driver and uh, it, it, it traveled pretty far. So let, let's put it that way. Uh, so far, so good. It's a work in progress. But for someone watching, for someone listening to this, who are absolutely loving what they're hearing from you. How do they get in touch with you? How do they start their journey and perhaps get a lesson? So me, along with a lot of other coaches online, we are on a platform called Skillist. It's the platform that I have been on for the last six years. Um, it's basically very easy to do. You go on the website, you'll see a lot of coaches there with the ratings and you know you can give reviews, which a lot of people have done. 
Uh, and you can basically see how people communicate. There are sample lessons on there. So if you like the way someone's speaking about someone else or just the type of information they're sharing, you can book a lesson with them there. That's the platform that I do my online coaching. And then I'm everywhere else like most people. You know, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook, although not many people are using Facebook anymore these days. Um, and uh, it's pretty simple. My my username or my handle is the same everywhere. It's Skeen Golf. Don't ask me where that's from. It's a long nickname that just has been carrying over for years. Uh, but basically, S-H-K-E-E-N Golf. There you go. Well, Sheen, uh, really appreciate your time today. Uh, congratulations on all your success so far and looking forward to seeing what's next for not only you, but next with our progression together to hopefully get a little better. Thanks for your time today. Thank you, guys. Well, it's a pretty cool story from Shaheen Nakjavani. Golf Talk Canada continues on the other side. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. Learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community. Visit CobbleBeach.com today. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Just a couple weeks left of 20 weeks of TaylorMade. This week, giving away a couple of the all-new TaylorMade MG4 wedges. For much more on this new wedge, I had a chance to catch up with Bill Price from TaylorMade. To talk all things MG4, now joining us, the mastermind behind the new wedge, Bill Price from TaylorMade. Bill, how excited are you about this new wedge? Uh, we're excited about it. You know, the last two launches that we've had, MG3 and now MG4, uh, has really put us on a different level with all the competition. So we're excited about this launch. It's been the fastest, easiest way for us to get the wedge into the tour players. But, you know, a lot of what we've learned now over the last four uh, versions that we've had, you know, the first two basically got us um, in the game. But the last two now is a serious competitor. So we're excited about that. I'm sure. Okay. So a lot of the excitement means there's some new technology in this new wedge. Tell us about some of the new tech behind this product. Well, you know, a lot of it has to do with spin, right? So what we were, we've always been a big fan of, you know, the spin and the spin threads that we have. Uh, the treads that we have today are on the landing area. So what we've learned is we have new laser etching that goes on the land area. It's a deep laser etching. So what that does is it provides another groove or a secondary groove on the land area between the grooves. So that just pushes water when you have water on the face, it pushes water into the bigger groove, much like a tire tread. So you have small grooves and you have bigger grooves. So all the water gets dispersed uh, from the small grooves into the bigger grooves. So it keeps um, the land area a lot less uh, slipping that's, uh, that's happening. And so again, it's all about spin. So we're excited about the spin numbers that we're seeing. And I'm guessing, too, the goal here is to regulate the spin numbers for any level of golfer and any uh, condition you're playing in, whether rainy, dry, the works, correct? Yes, and that's the big unknown. And, and what players and tour players really uh, do not like is any difference. You know, they they hate to see a difference in spin or launch angle. You know, for, for a lot of golfers, I'm, they're not as close to that as especially a tour player. 
But when you look at the launch monitor and you see the numbers in wet and dry, I mean, it's amazing that that launch condition can be as much as eight degrees increased on launch and your spin numbers can get 50% decreased um, on, on the spin numbers. So it's not a number that you want to go into a tour event and be having those type of you know uh, things that can happen on your wedge. So the tour players are excited about the MG4. You know, a lot of the shaping, we've had a gentleman that's been working on our MG3 and MG4 that I'm excited with, a guy named Greg Cesario. He does all our shaping for us. And um, I'm excited to have been for the last couple of versions working with him because he has now take, taken our last two versions and really shaped this according to what the players like. And so not only we've got the right shape and little changes in working with all the tour players, but also, you know, the big tech story and spin. And then, of course, um, you know, the excitement of MG4 with all the players out there. And this still has the raw face. Now, how does the raw face interact with these new grooves and all the grooves that are involved with this wedge? So that's been a patent that we've had. So we we just have, want the raw technology to be on the face. It doesn't matter to be raw on the backside. It doesn't care. It doesn't, the ball's not hitting the backside. It's just hitting the face. So having that raw feature that we have today combined with our spin treads that we have on the on the face creates that spin that we were talking about or that uh, the not having that reduction of spin that you normally see in a wet condition. And I know it rains up there in Canada just a little, right? From time to time, sometimes some rain, sometimes you got to battle through some snow if you're a little crazy too. Yeah, but you know, you don't have to have rainy conditions that have those, you know, have that less spin that I was talking about. You know, it can go, you can go out in the morning. You know, in the morning might be a little bit uh, uh, dewy. So you get a little bit, all it needs is a little bit of water on your face, which we can wipe off or the ball, which you can't wipe off. So when you get a little bit of water on the, on either one of those, that's what creates high launch and lower spin. And that's an absolute, uh, what a player is not looking for. <laughs> no, totally. Especially, especially with the pin placements that are on today. And when you look on tour, you know, tight pin placements that are out there today. They're trying to bring that ball in uh, on a low launch with high spin. So it hits and stops right away. So being able to control that is what they want. Yeah, it was certainly what they want. It's certainly what the average weekend warrior would want too. Exactly, exactly. You know, and I think, you know, even they, they might be getting a little bit less spin numbers than a tour player, but they still want to have that control, whether it's wet or dry, um, no matter where you are, because you want to have that ball be able to, to stop and control that golf ball when it's going into a tight pin placement. Something I want to ask you too about is the increased flange thickness. Uh, for those who don't know what this means, tell us about it. Well, what, what that did is we just also worked with all the tour players from MG3 to MG4. We created a better sound and sound oh. always feel. So by having that uh, uh, increase in the flange thickness behind the face where, where the ball's being contacted, uh, created better sound and you know better sound has a lot to do with feel so they go together so we're really excited about the sound and feel that we're getting with mg4 um, so that was just a little thing that we talked about we also talked about you know the shaping uh, with greg cesaro being able to shape these to what the players have been all been asking about the top line uh the the, the leading edge so just little things when you look at it now and our home pro staff guys around the country that are starting to look at them they're like, wow, this is the best wedge we've ever had. So we're excited about the not only what it looks, the technology behind it, but also the um, sales numbers that we're starting to see. 
Yeah, I've heard great things as well. Can't wait to put it in my hands too. Now, I, I understand there are also a number of different uh, bounce options for these wedges too. There are. So we used to have three different bounce options, you know, uh, a standard bounce, which is our, our largest amount of sales that we do. We have low bounce options for the type of player and high bounce, you know, so there's different options for different players. So now we've always had three. Now we have six. It's really a fitting tool to be able to have. So we have two in each category. So in the standard bounce, we have two options um, and they work differently depending upon the player. So it was one of the things with tour players. There was a lot of tour input on this wedge. So being able to now really take the three options that we had into six, we can fit every golfer that's out there today. So from MG3 to MG4, like I said, we couldn't fit. There was always going to be somebody outside that, that, that range, whether it's on tour or any customer that's out there. But now we can fit any customer in the MG4. There you go. There's so much great technology behind this new tailor-made MG4 wedge. Now, before we sign off, Bill, this is a very special time as you're entering retirement. So I just want to say from all of us here at Golf Talk Canada, congratulations on all the success you've had. Uh, we've really enjoyed interviewing you over all these years and good luck in your next venture. Thank you so much. And I appreciate it from all my friends up in Canada. He's an awesome guy, Bill Price. Congrats again on retirement. Okay, Golf Talk Canada continues next. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac, experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. Book your tour at cadillac.ca slash live. Welcome back to GTC, second leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs, the BMW Championship. I spoke with Michael Harrison about betting for the BMW Championship. To talk all things BMW Championship, now joining us yet again on Golf Talk Canada, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison, joining us during his summer vacation too. So talk about dedication. Hound Dog, what's up? Well, thanks for having me, Adam. I'm, I'm uh, thankful you haven't gotten sick of me yet to, to have me on uh, Golf Talk Canada. Obviously love talking golf at any time, 365 days of the year, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I'm very excited to be back on and... Uh, talking about yeah as we get here close to the end uh, for the tour championship uh just two more tournaments and then the playoffs i know it's pretty wild the season's gone by pretty pretty quickly thus far and the story of the last couple weeks has been one lucas glover here's a guy who didn't play in a major championship this season and now he's fourth in the fedex cup standings could you have seen this kind of run coming for a guy like lucas glover well, obviously, I, you know, I'd be lying if I said I absolutely saw this coming. Obviously, clearly not, but it's it's unbelievable. You always knew, clearly, he had the talent. You, know, you won the 2009 U.S. Open, right? So you knew that he, you know, definitely was a really good player, but the putting has just been so abysmal for so many years that, especially the, the short putting, that you always knew, okay, uh, uh, you know, when I got the pressure, ratcheted it up, Glover, unfortunately, would always miss the short putt, which would, you know, screw his chances of winning a golf tournament, right? So unbelievable that, yeah, what a second act, like, I think it was 2005, he won his first tournament, won the U.S. Open in 2009, sort of fairly out of nowhere, I guess. 
I uh, still can't believe David Duval finished second in that U.S. Open, by the way. So, so randomly he was second in that, in that major. And then, then he wins a couple of years later, 2011. Okay, he sort of backed that major up. Here we go. And then didn't win for a decade until the John Deere a couple of years ago, which, let's be honest, is not exactly a massive golf tournament. So you're thinking, okay, he's got his one. That's great. And as you mentioned, no majors this year. He was uh, saying, even though he had a bunch of top sixes, Leading into the Wyndham Championship, oh yeah, like uh, the the FedEx Cup playoff format's not very good. He's a red hot player. He's probably not going to make the playoffs. And then to win back to back, especially the second one being a playoff event, what a crazy second act! And it's kind of cool that as a veteran player, he's sort of um, you know reinvented himself, especially with that longer putter. It totally is, and you know, there's videos online that have you know circulated from you know 2015 on or so with Glover inside two feet putting mm. and it looks like he's legitimately sneezing when he's putting pulling the, the, the putter back like it's it's actually it's terrifying to watch but now he's he's totally changed it over and from an odds perspective it, odds at around 40 to 1 right now on FanDuel looking for the three-peat no one's done that since DJ in 2017 so at 40 to 1 what are your thoughts on Lucas Glover I saw a tweet from the unbelievable, uh, unbelievably incredible statistician Justin Ray. Uh, uh, players who have won, you mentioned DJ three straight, but players who have won three consecutive weeks, mm. uh, only Tiger Woods has done that, and he did it twice in the last like a million years, pretty much. So, thinking about Lucas Glover doing it again, probably not. But my good at forty to one, I don't, I'm, I'm kicking myself for not betting him last week. It's you know he won the like like we said the Wyndham. I believe his odds were like 75 or 80 or, or something around mm-hmm. around those lines for the, uh, the, the the playoff opener. It's like, oh, I wish I would have bet him for that, right? But even at 40, I don't think he'll do it, but 40 still a pretty really good, it's a really nice uh, number for a guy who's on fire right now. Yeah, it's 22 consecutive rounds of even par or better for Lucas Glover, many of those being under par. It's uh, It's been a sight to see. And one final thought on Glover, U.S. Ryder Cup. For you, is he in or is he out? Well, it's kind of crazy to think that, like, uh, if you would have told people about, you know, say uh, starting the Masters or even the PGA Championship, that Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, and Lucas Glover would very well be the golfers who probably should be on this Ryder Cup team, based on, of course, those first two, uh, or, um, you know, Harmon and Clark winning majors and Glover being on this torrid stretch, you'd be like, wait, excuse me? Like, no chance. They probably would have been like 30th, or maybe Harmon might have maybe made some waves, but not really. And so it's crazy to think, so who are you taking off then? Because mm-hmm. I think you have to put Glover on this team. You absolutely have to. Like, uh, I've been, I've been one, one of the few, I think, I feel saying, like, no, Justin Thomas will be on this team. I still feel that way. But with Lucas, Lucas Glover playing this well, how do you – you have to put him on You have to put him on the team. You can't not put him on there unless, I guess, maybe he falls flat on his face at the BMW and he's dead last by, like, 20 shots or something. But I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, 16th right now in the U.S. team rankings. And I feel like you and I are the only ones on our GTC team who think JT is going to be on that U.S. Ryder Cup team. We'll see once the captain selections uh, are made. Now, we know someone who will be in the Ryder Cup, and that's Rory McIlroy. Now, McIlroy, as of this particular moment, as we record, is the betting favorite for this week's BMW Championship, plus six. 50 for McElroy. So he's again in that window that we have discussed on the show together before that three digit plus 650 at those odds, given the success he's recently had. Do you like that number or do you not like that number? Well, first of all, Adam, I want to congratulate you on that incredibly amazing uh, segue you did there that getting to uh, the Rory McElroy. Thank that you was, very much. That, 
that's phenomenal hosting, if I do say so myself. Absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, Rory McIlroy, I think uh, I looked at his odds on FanDuel to win the FedEx Cup, which we mentioned uh, last week when I was mm-hmm. on about how I think, you know, he's won three of these FedEx Cups. I almost would rather have Rory at four plus 430 to win the FedEx Cup versus Rory at plus 650 to win the BMW. Obviously, a little bit less uh, you know, price there. But Rory McIlroy finished second, almost like tied for second at um, in Memphis there, and didn't even really seem like he was playing particularly amazing. And he, but he's still so talented that he was in, in second place, right? So if I'm going to bet on a, a short digit number on McIlroy, I actually like even though it's a little bit less money, I like four thirty versus the six fifty to win the tournament outright this week. What uh, what do you like? Yeah, you know what? I I like that number too. He's one of my TSN edge picks this week. And I normally don't pick the favorite when I do make my TSN selections. But for a guy with eight consecutive top 10 worldwide finishes coming into this week, he's the only player in the world who has won three FedEx Cups uh, to his name. I I think Rory McIlroy at that number is great. I was 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 taking a a lead off you, what you said a couple weeks ago about sort of monitoring the odds throughout the tournament. And before Sunday's final round at FedEx St. Jude, he was 16 to 1 or plus 1600. I thought those are pretty good odds. Patrick Cantley was plus 2500. He almost got it done. Lucas Glover, uh, the champ there. Now that was a that was a great finish though last week overall, wasn't it? It was. And I and I uh I speaking of I think we were talking about uh, previous time I was I've been on the show, like always monitor the odds late in, in the rounds. I would have won like 200, I think, on Cantlay. Mm-hmm. But I unfortunately, I won a smaller amount on uh, Glover because when he put the ball in the water on, I think it was 14, the par three. Yes. And then his approach was to like 30 feet or something along those lines. He was plus 750 to win the tournament, Glover, at that point. Knowing I already had Cantlay in my hip pocket uh, to hopefully win, uh, like as you said, like 25 to one, mm-hmm. I said, okay, I'm not going to win as much on this Glover bet, but I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on him just in case he doesn't come back to win, which he ended up doing that because it looked like otherwise you could, to me, Glover was never bettable when he's plus 100 or something like that. No chance. I'm doing that. Right. No, but that's where just monitoring. Okay. This is what he had a bad shot there. Okay. What are, what's his odds now? Just to make sure for anyone um, who's bet and you're, you know, you're, you're riding a one player and you're just sweating so hard over the, if they're going to win or not, always make sure, especially when your other player is does something badly like Glover there, always make sure. Maybe you have a chance to sprinkle on the other guy, to, uh, the other player to at least make a little bit of money back. Uh, and it's uh, and you're, sorry, you were just talking about the, the FedEx Cup in general here with uh, Rory McIlroy. Mm-hmm. We were discussing that. Yeah. Uh, how many? So he has three FedEx Cups. He does. Uh, how many FedEx Cups would he have to win in his career? Say he wins like 10 FedEx Cups, but never a major the rest of his career. Do you think he would trade all 10 of those FedEx Cups for one major? Or what's the number, what's the number do you think he would trade to get the extra major? Because he hasn't won one in a decade. I mean, it might be 10, honestly, because, you know, for a guy who's, as he said in that PGA Tour Netflix series, full swing, it's as if he's trying to win his first major again. Like, it's been that long. It's been since 2014. To give our audience some perspective, the last time Rory McIlroy won a major championship, you were writing the highlights for SportsCenter, and (laughs) I was helping you out. I was logging it for you. It's been that long. A shining star at sunset. It was, uh, you know... (laughs) Can't believe it when he when he won that uh, that that was the McIlroy one at Valhalla, wasn't it? Not yes. the, the, yep. the gym Nets fault. Yeah. Yep. I thought for a second there maybe uh no no you, know, you got it up right. with the Kiowa Island one in 2012. Yeah, it's been that long ago. It's crazy to think. And uh, yeah, I think Rory would you know I I actually wonder if he, I think he would trade the three FedEx Cups certainly oh, for totally. one extra major. But yeah, at, at what point does it go? Okay, 25 FedEx Cups for for one major. What's the trade off there? It's uh 
interesting to see what he would say. Of course, he would never admit that. No, definitely wouldn't uh, admit that. Uh, we're in conversation here with Michael the Hound Dog Harrison talking BMW Championship. So Scotty Scheffler has been a hot topic in the golf world, given his putting in particular. Now he switched to a different, completely different style of putter last week. Didn't have a great finish the BMW. He's still among the betting favorites, not only for this week's BMW, but next week's FedEx Cup. But at odds that short for a guy who actually struggled tee to green and didn't putt great as well, what do you think about Scotty Scheffler? I mean, uh, unfortunately, it sounds weird because he's been, yeah, I think he had, I'm pretty sure it was 19 straight tournaments. He was inside the top 12, which yeah. is just mind boggling. You know, other than Tiger Woods, the best tee to green uh, over a stretch of what, the last 30 years or something mm-hmm. along those lines, whenever they've been taking these stats. But he until uh, since the Players Championship, since winning that in in March, he hasn't won a golf tournament, which is crazy to think. Despite all these crazy high finishes, and now you're going to throw on a couple of so-so finishes that were okay but not great. But the odds are still going to be the same for him to win. I know it's considerably less players to beat now. Only 49, 49 other players he has to you know obviously defeat here uh, um, at Olympia Fields. But a uh, long-winded way of saying uh, I'm staying away from Scotty Scheffler this week. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm the exact same way. And I've stayed away from him a lot of this year only because I just didn't think he could sustain and, you know, finish top 12 again and again and again. And he kept doing it again and again and again. So, I mean, hopefully we're both not wrong in that sense. But, you know, for a guy who does strike it very well, Tita Green, uh, we shall see on Mr. Scheffler. Now, of course, we are here in Canada. There are four Canadians who advanced this far to the BMW Championship inside the top 50. The four Canadians are all inside the top 40, which is awesome. Just overall, you've watched the PGA Tour forever. Can you recall any other time where there's like this depth, this strength of Canadian golf on the PGA Tour? No, it's certainly, uh, you know, certainly when I uh, when I was growing up, you know, Stephen Ames, Mike Weir type of thing, but definitely not, you know, four or five, six players. Like even some of the great players like Adam Hadwin haven't even won in the PGA Tour this season. He almost did there at uh, the Rocket Mortgage. So, yeah, we're, you're leaving off a player like him who hasn't even won a golf tournament this year. Uh, and so have all, yeah, these four different Canadians win. Unfortunately, Mackenzie Hughes just missed uh, qualifying by one spot on the FedEx Cup uh, standings for um, the tournament here in Chicago. But uh it's actually amazing to see. And like I said, it's not, like, not just these Canadians are, are quality players and maybe finishing, you know, top tens and such. They're winning golf tournaments sometimes here, which is awesome. It's uh, amazing to watch. And you can only think that'll get even better from here. Yeah, totally. So four Canadians all have a legit chance to make the tour championship. Obviously, Spence and Hadwin need a much better week given their 37th and 39th in the FedEx Cup standings. Taylor, 16th. Connors, 25th. Mark Sakino set the over-under a couple weeks ago at two and a half for Canadians at Eastlake. Where are you, over or under two and a half? I want to say over. I really want to say over in this one, but unfortunately, I think I'm going to have to take uh, the under. That It'll just be Taylor and Connors. It's kind of weird. You'd think with uh, all these players playing, especially the uh, to get into the postseason top 70 and then uh, to, you know, 50, uh, 50 to get into the BMW, uh, there has been very, very little volatility to get into Rose Glover getting into the postseason, Cam Davis, uh, and I believe it was Matsuyama, I believe, uh, yep. last week, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, mm-hmm. were out of the uh, postseason if they if they wouldn't have um, done really, really well. And I think, I believe those are just the two that made it into the BMW. So you'd think there'd be a lot more volatility with the FedEx Cup standings, but this year has not been the case at all. So Hadwin, Svensson, 37, 39, as you mentioned, 
And uh, unfortunately, no one, if, some, if someone claims that they actually know the FedEx Cup uh, standings and the point structure and how someone can, how they have to play in order to, to make advance and so on and so forth, they're lying to you. There's not a chance in the world anyone actually understands the FedEx Cup point system and, and how it all works and breaks down. But certainly, obviously, as you mentioned, Havlin Spencer are going to need, I would suspect, like top fives, if not better, to, to make it into Eastlake. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to go with the under on that one. Yeah, I, I'm I'm high on Hadwin over Svensson. He gained six over six and a half, or he gained over six shots on the greens alone last week. So if he can keep that hot putter going, uh, look out. But I, it's it's going to be a, a tall hill to climb. Now, as we always do when you have you on, we love talking first round leaders. So only fifty guys in the field, so that that does make things a little challenging for sure. But in terms of first round leader, who are you looking at? Well, it's funny that uh, you know since we've had these discussions, it's like. I was hoping, you know, okay, I'm going to come on to Golf Talk Canada here. I'm going to have a first-round leader uh, pick <laughs> to click. He's in there. The player's going to be 80 to 1. Boom, I'm going to look like a genius. And, oh, we have to have this guy on all the time. And, of course, unfortunately, as you know, golf betting is quite, quite diff- very difficult. So I have not been able to hit one, um, you know, that not I said on the show. But but um, uh, certainly, you know, the, the three names I'm looking at are John Ron. That's a, hardly a surprise. You know, but he's still 15 to 1. It's not like those odds are really, really crazy short. 15 to one. He won at this uh, course in 2020 when they were last uh, at this course. And he's third in scoring, scoring average on the PGA tour this season. And also uh, he's playing in the afternoon, which is it kind of important that what the weather, it's going to be really, really, really blustery the whole day, but there's going to be rain in the morning. And he said in the afternoon, if they dodge the thunderstorms, it's supposed to be quite good. It's still blustery, but no rain to contend with. So okay. uh, the fact he's playing there in the afternoon helps a little bit. Certainly. The other player, of course, I mean, how can you not say Lucas Glover? He's been on fire. He's won the last two tournaments. Yeah. So he's been it's so so funny, golf betting, as we were saying. Like he had all these top sixes. Everyone was picking him to win the 3M open in Minnesota. And then he misses the cut. And then he wins tournaments the next two weeks. So it, it's just, you know, it, everyone picked him to win the 3M and he misses the cut. Then he it's just golf betting. It's crazy, right? But Glover's been unbelievable. So you have to certainly think, why not? Why can't at least for one more round he, he be uh, unbelievable? And then the other one I'm looking at is Cam Davis. Uh, I believe you can get him around like 37 to 1, 40 to 1, that, that, that uh, number. And he's made three straight top tens coming in here. As I mentioned earlier, he's one of the few that got into uh, the BMW with his strong play. So uh, 37 to 1 or 40 to 1, somewhere around there you can get him at, uh, I'd say for sure. 30, uh, Cam Davis, pretty good pick, I would say. Riding the hot wave, that's for sure. Now, before we sign off here, and I'd definitely love to have you on next week to really take a deep dive into the Tour Championship because, you know, that's that betting for that tournament's a little different given the staggered start with 10 under leading all the way down to even par at number 30. Uh, looking ahead now, we're, what, uh, just over a week from that tournament. How do you look at that tournament in terms of betting? Well, it's funny. Uh, it, it's one of those things where you'd think it's the, the season finale of the PGA Tour's postseason. You know, it's going to be, I'm going to want to bet on a lot of players, but obviously, first of all, only 30 players competing. And then because, as you mentioned, the staggered scoring, there's only realistically like maybe five to eight players who actually could win the tournament realistically going into it. So I oftentimes, uh, I, I'm not uh, emptying, emptying out the bank account to be betting on the Tour Championship. So this, if you're a golf better, just keep that in mind that you know, you might want to be doing that for them, but there's not going to be much. Now, oftentimes there will be betting books that'll say uh, betting without the uh, staggered scoring. Mm, so right. it's just as if who, who had the best score after 72 holes. So that's fine. 
But uh, in terms of that, yeah, uh, I bet more on the P, uh, BMW championship than the, the, the actual tour championship itself because the odds are crazy wonky. You'll see like a player that you're thinking is really good, like Colin Morikawa, for example. I, I had him to maybe win the FedEx Cup uh, last week. Didn't do amazing in Memphis there. And you might see, oh, that's a pretty good name. And you might see like 100 to 1 to win. And you're like, what? <laughs> it's because, of course, the staggered scoring. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's certainly wild, and something that will be a hot uh, topic next week is you know Rory McIlroy started that tournament last year hooking a tee shot out of bounds. He made triple bogey. What did he do? He went on to come back and win. So I guess we'll see what happens next week with the Tour Championship. Michael, as always, thank you for a longer segment today. This is fun as always, and hey, we're seeing each other this weekend because we are going to go battle royale on the golf course. Are you excited? Yeah, and uh, if I don't shoot uh, at least a 62 or, or oh. something like that, I'm going to be rather, rather upset. Well, well, I guarantee I'll shoot 62. That's it right. might be through like 13 holes or something <laughs> like that. So, uh, yeah, I don't think I'll be going that low on Saturday, but can't wait to play. It'll be a, a lot of fun. Uh, Hound Dog, thanks for your time this morning, my friend. Thank you. Bang. Golf Talk Canada continues and wraps up next. This segment of GTC, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management, was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac. Experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of LightStrike and LightStrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Well, it's been a fun one today on Golf Talk Canada. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We are back Monday, radio to TV, 10 a.m., TSN 1050 and TSN 2. Have a great day. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of LightStrike and LightStrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit golftalkcanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.